Hello, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. Before we get into the episode fully, uh, I just wanted to take a little bit of time to pay my respects to someone who passed a few days ago, uh, the wonderful John Weaver, John the Man Weaver from Skeleton Records. There's some wonderful pieces about uh, John Weaver in there. He lived above Skeleton Records and it was it was very clearly his life and they were very, very fond memories of going... It's like down a side street for the many for maybe the listeners that are unaware of this place, and and as I'm sure there's versions of this in your cities and and towns, but it was down like almost like a side street. They painted eventually painted this massive red arrow into the draw the door, sorry, um with a uh, with skeleton records and stuff. So you went through this door, and then it was immediately you were greeted with a staircase, and as you went up the staircase, the either side there was like posters of very famous gigs and and stuff that had gone on, and as you got to the top. So there's a mini hallway section to the left. There was a, a place where you would put, you know, you, you see all those like bassist wanted and drummer required and you take your little piece of paper or you take someone's number. There was loads of them there. A lot of bands were formed in that little, very, very much in that hallway. And then there was two rooms, one to your right and one to your left. One to your right was purely full of vinyl in kind of large sort of containers so you could like flick and leaf through them. And adorning the walls was like DVDs and VHSs and cassettes and picture discs and all kinds of stuff. It was just... It was like walking into music. And then in the other room was more or less the same, except there were CDs. They were making their way into there when I started to buy vinyl. But on to the right was like almost his kind of de facto pulpit. It's kind of the place where he would, would you would go with your records if you were selling them or you would buy them. And he would, you know, examine them or he would sell them to you. And I got a lot of early vinyl from there, a lot of early Metallica, um, great guitar players and jazz guitar players and stuff like that. You know, really opened my thrash metal um, ears to, to stuff, and he would suggest stuff. I listened to Aldo Miola because of records he suggested, and Zappa I became a huge Zappa fan off the back of that as well. And he was just the sight of him behind there, you know, looking at the the, the linear notes of something as the music blared because he played whatever the fuck he wanted to. The music blared is it, such an endearing image, and one I like to remember him, remember him by. But for me. There was a beautiful thing. He, he treated every record like it was gold, like it meant something, like it was it was it was the only one of its kind. Like so, when you would go and buy, you could buy like so. You could buy back in that time was like maybe about one pound fifty. You could pick a record for up for or three pounds, and you could go with like a you know ten, fifteen, twenty pounds and pick up a, a clutch of records. You know, and so you'd bring them over once you'd picked them out of the various sections. You'd bring them over, you put them down. And he would go through them. He would like show you the record and pull it out very, very carefully. Showed you, you know, exactly how. To, which seems very obvious now, but things like how to correctly hold a record and handle it. And he would treat it. These records would cost like two or three pounds. He would show you. He would check the vinyl, get you to check it as well. You know, he'd make sure it was happy. It just, you know, it meant the world to him because it meant the world. And so, it didn't matter what you were buying. He, he would, he he would treat that that way. And then off you would go with your white bag, and then eventually had that wonderful um image of like the kind of like the like bone creature remember that image anybody but but at the bags from skellies and and away you went into the day you know i could spend hours in there i did spend hours in there trawling through the top section of the the records but also the the, the records underneath which were like bargain basement stuff you pick up old disco records and shit but you'd, occasionally you'd find some you know i'd find a kenny burrell record and it'd be fucking amazing and so 
I would go there and spend hours, hours there. You know, not like a, a, a few minutes, hours trawling through the records because you, when you found something that was amazing, you know, you'd you'd be absolutely fine. So you, you thought that no one that record existed just for you, and then. You know, if you tried to sell records to him, he would, you know, he would give you a fucking honest opinion. You know, he would tell the shift from out, and you could sell records to him as well. And it was this wonderful. I remember the first records are sold, and then the first ones bought. It was a wonderful economy that took place there. God knows how many bands were sorted there, and how many things happened there. You know, that started off other musical ventures, not just metal, but otherwise. Um, you know, Lord knows there must be so many uh, bands that were musicians, and they have been. The people have been posting stories about Barham as rightly they should do because he was just around. He was just forever, you know, and it, it's it's a shame. I did. I really did want to go and do something with Skellies for this very podcast because John Weaver was exactly the person that we needed to get on the show. He was under you know you know under the radar almost. Not a lot of people knew what he was doing or how important he was, and he was incredibly important to 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 the whole to the whole scene. And, you know, I should have gone and, and you know, that's that's the way life works sometimes, you know, you don't get to the people that you really wanted to speak to. Um, there's a book of commemorance and remembrance going to be there, so I'll probably get down to, to sign that and just, you know, just in my own way tell, say say what I thought. And this was just me offering up a little tribute of to, to the man himself. Um, I think I've, I've no eyeball from there. And he, they used to, I don't think they do now, but they used to write the uh, the price on it like one pound fifty or three pound seventy or whatever the fuck, and they would write it. They didn't have like a, a gun or something to do that. And um, and I've still got some of those records. He probably wrote those prices on there, didn't he? And I was, I'm going to listen to a few of them and you know and and you know raise a glass to to to, to John Weaver. A super super human um, and a wonderful human being, and and so important. I cannot express express how many people would have bought their first records and been advised by him and how many bands were formed and how many musical projects spun off from Skelly Records. Um, it's still there now. I suggest you go. I go. I try to go every couple of months purely to sometimes just to stand there looking at records and bask in the beautiful sort of reminiscence of what that place is. You know, it's, it's fabulous. It was, it, you know, and we've all probably got those record shops and we've all got those owners and those gatekeepers to were helped you find new music. And John Weaver was mine and he was a lot of people's. And it's very sad that he he he's not around anymore. Um, that it, it that is that it, it's a true 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 tragedy that that he's not around. It's sad, sad that I couldn't speak to him as well. But I'm going to listen to some music tonight, and a pure vinyl that I knew about from Skelly's, and and you know, and and just reimagine walking up those steps, going in there, saying, "All right, John," and he's standing behind there, you know, going through someone's massive vinyl collection to time and determining what's good and what's bad, um, and treating every record like it was it meant the world because to those people and to me it did that was me just trying to some way offer all tribute to a to, to a beautiful human being um there's no better way to to go into the next segment other than say that this is what we should be doing we should be talking about music and what's next um the this, this show coming up on friday uh with uh Ninkarsag and it's a, it's an album launch of sorts, and the, they were one of the bands that was suggested to me by by a few other people because I've been on a sort of a, a black metal odyssey, if you will, where I was trying to find the, the the bands and albums that worked for me, and finally sort of got to a nice place with them. But their new album, uh, Nick Hartag's new album, really is it, it's 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 a very much an access point for me. And I know a lot of people who don't listen to black metal. I've been enjoying this album. And this is what I want to kind of put to you as well, the listener. 
that you may not like black metal, but please park your um, your preconceived notions of what it is and have a listen to, to Kyle and what he says. You know, I find him funny, self-effacing, very brutally honest, and, and really an interesting sort of insight into a musical genre you may not have you may not have been fully aware of or maybe close yourself off from. This show on Friday promises to be really special. It's sold out. It's at the outpost. I think it's like 90, 80, 90. Um, and it feels special. It feels like you're going to get to see a band before they completely explode into something amazing. And you're going to be able to say, you know, imagine if you could see like your favorite band before they suddenly exploded, you know, and became really, really popular. Everybody wants that. And you, you know, I'm trying to give everybody like, why, why, why give you a show that's already sold out? A fair question. But I really want to highlight that this is going on, that you can go and see the, the next big things, with terrible way of saying it, the next big things are bands, you can go and see them and, and for very little money and, and right on your doorstep. And that's what I'm going to be doing um, as I kind of work through this Liverpool sort of Merseyside scene and try and show what's going on out there. So what I'll be doing is for certain shows, I'll be doing a preview show where I kind of just do something written. I'll be doing... Uh, a show itself where I'll talk to someone like I'm talking to Kyle on this show or members of the band and then I'll do a review and the review will be largely positive because I'll only take the positives I only want to talk to think about the things that, that I really enjoy and really like and that kind of like three package is how I'm going to approach each sort of gig and it's it's only come from what you the listener have told me you like enjoy are you like okay we like this we like that okay and I want to make each show special because each show is special and I want to talk about it and 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 let people make it, people aware that this is going on, that this scene exists, and it is out there, and you must experience it. You can't experience it through a computer screen. You've got to go and and see these shows. And there is a beautiful and wonderful Merseyside metal. I, t- I use the word nice a lot when I'm when I'm speaking to Carl at the very beginning. I realised, and it's a weird way when you talk to the lead singer of, of black metal band to use nice a lot, but it did. It felt nice to talk about a show that's coming up where we can all get together, watch the music that we love, be blown away, and a band can play, a local band can play, and it's and it's superb. And it just that seems like something that we we've we you know it's been thin on the ground. We know this so it should be celebrated. If you think I should be doing it in another way, I maybe should be reviewing it differently or whatever you want, please suggest because these actual shows are, are, are more from that where people have suggested we think, you know, maybe do this, maybe do that, maybe do whatever. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was recorded on on Zoom, and so it's a little bit clunky every now and again. I really want to do a lot more of these in in real life because I find it's much better to record to do everything. But this is still they're still great and still I I, I you know Carl's very funny, self depreciating, very honest, and a huge of of what he's trying to do and what he's trying to achieve. And I think if you go into the show and and you listen to this, I think you'll get a little bit more out the show. Hopefully, from listening to my chat with uh, with Kyle Nesbitt. From uh, Ninkasa, yeah, I maybe should preview it differently or whatever you want. Please suggest because these actual shows are, are, are more from that where people have suggested we think you know maybe do this, maybe do that, maybe do whatever. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was recorded on on Zoom and it's, so it's a little bit clunky every now and again. I really want to do a lot more of these in in real life because I find it's much better to record to do everything. But this is still they're still great and um, still I I I you know Carl's very funny. Self-depreciating, very honest, and a huge of of what he's trying to do and what he's trying to achieve. And I think if you go into the show 
and and you listen to this, I think you'll get a little bit more out the show. Hopefully, from listening to my chat with uh, with Kyle Nesbitt from uh, Ninkarsai. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, uh, it's time to say hail death. Uh, because we've got Kyle Nesbitt from Ninkasak on the on the show. Welcome, Kyle. Welcome to the show, mate. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's uh, this is uh, this is going to be a nice show. This because we get we we start off nicely because we talk about you've already sold out the the show on Friday at the Outpost, which is an outstanding result, mate. I know we were a bit um, unsure at first because obviously the situation being what it is, whether we have to cancel it or postpone it, but. Um, <clears throat> Obviously, everything's opening up from Thursday, apparently, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, apparently so. You know, so uh, yeah, we've timed it quite well. So yeah, it should yeah. be all go, no problem. So people have asked us well, need COVID there's, there's, I, there's many questions about that show. I, I've got to ask, like, because I'm so I'm looking forward to. It. I know a lot of people are people thinking that that, and it will be a very special show. So we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. Often with these talks, we 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 start at the beginning, mate, as you would imagine. So we start with like the first music that you're hearing? So even whatever it may be, what was the first sort of music that, that was in your life? <clears throat> well, growing up, it was always, you know, dad likes his music and he loves Pink Floyd, Eagles, all that stuff. Like, and sure. So, you know, naturally you, you do pick pick up, you know, that sort of musical when, you, when you're a kid. But then it also gets to the point where you don't want to fucking listen to it. You know, and then <laughs> you want to rebel, then you want to rebel, Kyle. <laughs> well, this is it. So, I started listening to like you know, I got into Guns N' Roses and stuff in, in like the early 90s, and uh, especially when um, <clears throat> I was born in 84, so you know, the, the fucking glory days of like you know, heavy metal and stuff, and here on the you know, <laughs> yeah. on the TV, wasn't it? Like, you know, I love Bon Jovi and all the cheesy crap from the 80s, yeah, like, but, yeah. But to me, that was the gateway to you know, everything else. Um, mm. But the first album I ever bought was Appetite for Destruction. Right. Got it from uh, got it on CD out of fucking Asda, out of the bargain yeah. bin. Couple of quid. <laughs> um, must have been about like nine or ten or something like that. Um, yeah. Obviously, the cover's amazing. And, you know, the songs were on the radio all the time back then. And still are, yeah. now, I suppose. So to me, and, you know, they looked cool as fuck as well. And, you know, we think yeah. of um, how... Um, how lame everything started getting in the 90s with you know, all the baggy fucking clothes and all, you know. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's got to be like leather and denim, you know. That's, that's, it, that's was the still, it was still edgy, wasn't it? Like, I remember like I remember the, the album itself, and like, that's got to be one of the best, like, sort of debut albums of all time, hasn't it? You know what I mean? That's oh, fucking, what a, what a statement that is to make by a band. And I remember yeah. when it came out, obviously the, the, the cover was everywhere with the cross and, 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 and skulls and stuff, and that was dead metal and what have you. But I remember in the inside... Um, inlays was uh, was like this robot that looked like he'd fucking attacked it he sexually assaulted this this woman who'd been oh, selling yeah. stuff you remember that and i remember thinking yeah. what the fuck i was proper blown away and then listen to that that's the first time i heard someone talking about drugs that i knew about was mr mm. brownstone stuff i was like shit i know what he means there and it like you know and that was the start it was so it was like use your illusion as well like was that then big for you was that where you really came on board with it with the, the two uh, albums yeah. I do like it, but it, it's for me. It was sort of like a bit, you know. It's a bit. It's a. It's a bit bloated, isn't it? I think. Yeah. I don't think it. I think they'd rather than just done like another album, you know, similar to Appetite, yeah. and then do the, the obligatory like third album of like you know <laughs> arty material. It's it's <laughs> funny, isn't it? Like because around, around that time, like nineteen ninety one, we'd just gone over the, the the hill of like everything was going in metal. There was all kinds of stuff going on, great stuff all over of, of various gen- genders, genres, yeah. and it was like a wonderful. 
anything kind of went. And then it sort of got a little bit more serious as it went 1991 and Metallica went mm. the almost commercial with the Black Album, what have you. And then yeah. you had the, the 90s and the crazy time for the 90s. So w when you were first buying these albums, was it just a case of, like like you say, bargain bin finding CDs or did you make a trip to the record shop? Um, well, it was, yeah, it was just a bit of a case of, 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 of both, really. I mean, like I said, my dad was always looking for CDs and stuff and, you know, whenever yeah. we go anywhere when we were kids and, so, you know, I just gravitate towards, like, the, the cool-looking artwork. So, you know, obviously Metallica's and Megadeth's and Maiden yeah. and stuff like that. You know, they're the stuff, you know, that you're naturally going to gravitate towards when you're, a, you know, when you're a kid or a teenager. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it was just a case of, you know, once you discover one band, then you want to, just want to hear what else is yeah, going yeah. on in the same sort of scene and just sort of snowball for them early. And then, you know, fast forward a few years and, New metal has started popping out and all that stuff, and um, you know, I was making quite a big splash. But for me, I just couldn't get on board with that. Mm. And then I discovered black metal, and that was that was it, really. So yeah, <laughs> it was kind of like it's yeah, it was about that time where you know when new metal and people could download stuff and Napster existed and the internet was existed mm. that you could I it opened up the field of vision. Um, you know, it opened me up to like American sort of. Uh, death uh, and all that type of thing in a, a world I probably wouldn't have seen or seen too many records of it had the internet and things hadn't existed I remember you know yeah. seeing the cover of obituaries album cause uh, death and stuff and things like that I remember seeing them on the online I remember like oh wow what's that and I, I previously I wouldn't have seen that I wouldn't have been able to have access to that and it's the same I think with black metal and stuff is that you know it had it not been for maybe the internet and stuff and certainly you know well publicized things that happened within its community I think but some of that would have pass back now you can you can go on on spotify and listen to battery you can you know but at the time you couldn't buy that fucking record you can get it from yeah. anywhere actually fucking go over over into europe to even get a chance to see it so yeah. what was the what was the first kind of did you start going heavy then so you started guns and roses and then did you just go okay i want to hear something with a bit more i want something more, more heavier which what what kind of which rabbit hole did you fall down then well yeah it was a case of from Guns N' Roses and Metallica and, you know, I sort of loved all that stuff for years and, you know, like the 80s bands. Mm. Um, and then it was towards like sort of like mid to late 90s when I started getting into sort of heavy music. And it was when we got the, we got cable at home or um, Sky or whatever it was. And there was the Tommy Vanson Rock Show on a on a Friday night. I think God it was on like actually, yeah. So obviously back then, like, you you know, there was no fucking... Um, you couldn't just record stuff straight, you know, to your phone or your fucking DVD or whatever. So you have yeah. to do it by tape. So I used to record <laughs> um, on VHS yeah. and then just Same. play it back in the day. And, you know, I yeah. skip through like a shite. But that's where I discovered some fucking... <laughs> I saw the video for um, Emperor, Lost and, Cur Lost and Curse of Reverence. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was just completely changed my outlook on life because, you know, I was I was into my class that I'm but into... Um, you know, my fantasy novels, mm. you know, I, I learned Tolkien and all that stuff and David Eddings. So when you see a band like wearing all like the correct armor and, you know, fucking clobber on, on <laughs> sort of weird music that was so fast, but majestic sounding, it just completely blew my head yeah. off. Yeah. So we had the internet at home. So I, you know, went online, tried to find some information about these bands and, um, yeah, obviously there was not much on there. There was maybe like an official website that had like one page or whatever, and you couldn't just download any songs. So mm. I remember 
I find in Napster actually. I remember reading somewhere online, like in a chat room or some bullshit like that. Yeah. So I thought, oh, what's this? So I tried to try and you know download a song or two. Um, of course, yeah. I think it, I think I downloaded an Empress song or a Bathory song, just random stuff. Like it was just whatever I could find it. I think it took me like two days yeah. to get them. You know, <laughs> well, like or whatever it was. So fucking <laughs> um, but in the end, I was like, I just I need to hear this fucking album. So mm. I went to HMV and. You know, whatever money I had as a kid, I think it must be about like, you know, 13, 14 or something. Uh, when it HMV and they had a copy of uh, Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk. So it was like 20 quid or something. I was like, fuck it. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Import fuck. fees, yeah. yeah. Bought it thinking, okay, well, I want to hear it. Uh, got it, got it home, put it in, and it's just like my favorite album to this day after all these fucking years. And that's, you know, yeah. over 20, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's it's interesting that we, you know, that there was a time when you had to, it was hard work to find a band. It was hard work to go and, and buy a record and find it, even even existing. It was hard work. And it kind yeah, of yeah. it kind of means that that record means like fucking an absolute shitload to you. It means, it, it means more than the music almost because you had to like, you know, and like you say, I needed to hear this album. When was the last time you said that, ladies and gentlemen, when you, you listen to something? And, you know, you are, I need to fe- fucking hear this. My life's not complete. And it just means that during those formative years, you are, you, you know, that becomes like your everything, that album. Did you then fall deeply in with, uh, with Emperor and just go, like, I need to hear everything by them now and just to consume everything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so it was like my first sort of gateway into, into black metal. And obviously, you know, you read a couple of interviews or somewhere. I think that we're, I think that we're in, um, I was an interview with them in Karanga or something. Mm. You know, they actually have metal bands in Kerrang back in the day, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> or, Riser or something like that. And um, yeah. then obviously, <clears throat> you know, you, you read about all the backstory and all the whole fucking kickoffs in Norway and stuff. And so you discover all these other bands then. And then that was just, a, you know, it's open, open the floodgates to me. And, you mm. know, I've never looked back, really. Yeah, um, that was the kind of like the way, the way it used to be recommended bands. Now, it used to be you'd read an interview. And someone would go, you know, oh, Merciful Fate or whatever. And they'd, and you'd go, oh, shit, I don't know who they are. Uh, and then you'd, you'd mm. have to go on this mad fucking mission to find those particular bands. I found Carcass that way, uh, you know, uh, God Flesh that way. I found those from back, people mentioning them in interviews. And you're like, oh, shit, if he thinks they're good and he listened to them, I need to seek them out. And these weren't necessarily always bands that were exactly the same as those bands. But they influenced them, so you kind of you got a bit, a bit more of it. Like, so one of the points I'm making here is that if you listen to it on Spotify or whatever streaming thing is, it will list similar bands to the one you're listening to. But back then, when someone mentioned the band, it did sometimes it wasn't exactly in the same world as them. You know, when you kind of find, mm-hmm. I found Sleep and Dope Smoker and stuff, all that type of thing, coming adjacent to other things. If you know what I mean, it wasn't it was just because they mentioned that they were great bands. I was like, I'll oh, check them out. They weren't exactly the same. They weren't all. Whatever, whatever bands, that, but they were kind of, they were just cool. They were just, back then, it was more about what was good and what wasn't. We weren't really as maybe, um, we didn't really hang on uh, genres as much as we do now. Uh, it was a bit just a case of you heard this band, they're fucking dead good. So then, yeah. you, um, at this point, are you picking up an instrument yourself yet? Where did we have with that? Yeah, so I got um, a bass guitar when I was 16. Um, and yeah, I was just sort of, I don't know why I was, I was drawn towards bass. I think it was just, uh, I think my friend had got a guitar or something and I thought, okay, well, I'll get a bass then and at least we can just, you know, <laughs> jam along together at least. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really start playing guitar until 
about four or five years later. Mm. And then my friend had like a, an old, like shitty uh, Les Paul knockoff. He said, You just left it in mine one day. So I'll just keep hold of it. Like, I don't need it. You had like Jackson or something. <laughs> you know, it was probably 50 quid. Yeah. He had painted fucking flames on it or some bullshit, you know, and they'll stick it. You're doing your dreams. We left that in mind, and I was just messing around with that, really. And, yeah, the first mm. thing I ever learned to play on, on actual guitar was uh, Thorns, Eerie Descent. Oh, you know, okay. You know, even, yeah. So that was up and down, like, fucking Trem Riff, which is, you know, absolutely godly. That's like, yeah, stage. it's like, to anybody who hasn't heard that song, you should check it out. It's like, kind of, it's one of the first times I heard that, like, that speed like tremolo picking that kind of dr- 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 that kind of whole thing that was one of the first songs that i really kind of heard and i was like what the fuck is that this where's the riff you know i was like this is like this the continuous power motion like yeah well that's Bar it um, the first riff yeah so that, that was pretty much it really and then so uh you know it might sound like a bit weird but the only i'm not really into like guitar playing per se mm. i don't pick it up i don't play like fucking in spanish or flamenco well yeah i literally <laughs> don't play yeah. guitar is black metal and you know i've dabbled with like doom and stuff in the past but i, I you know I'm, i would never consider myself like a guitar yeah. player as such you know where like people pick it up and you start fucking shredding or like playing fucking yeah. aussie riff or whatever that's not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really cool. I mean, that's cool though Kyle. it's like you know it, it, it's it, as a, as what you do within the band that, that works right it's not you know you know are, 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 are like it's not riffs band if you know what i mean it's more big soundscapes you know you can't do that with, with with you know if you if you're approaching the guitar like black metal you can't approach it in the same way as you would a rock and roll song or a metal song you can't be approached that way it needs to be the vision needs to be a little bit bigger doesn't it, it needs to be like you know like i say we talk about that trello riff and that it's a constant sound it becomes like mm. like like a noise scape almost you know so were you? Did you start playing with other people then? And when you when you're playing rhythm or bass, were you playing with a, like a, as a, in a live sort of situation? Well, I played in a few like a few bands, you know, off and on yeah. over the years. Like, and um, played in <clears throat> just like a shitty. I could, my friend had told us earlier he um, was doing like some shitty deathcore band and played a couple of gigs with them just on bass, just to, like pass some time. Um, <laughs> but the, I only did it because, like I said, they needed someone in at last minute, so. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I met. Um, it was, we were touring with On Sanctum, you right? Know, like, yeah, going, going for years. So that was how I met the other guitarist in the cast, like Paul. Yeah, on this tour because you know he was and the drummer Jay. He's in On Sanctum as well. He's also the in cast like drummer. So we were on tour with them, and um, Paul had loads of demos, like black metal demos they'd been working on for you know a couple of years. So he showed me some of these riffs, and I was like, "Fucking hell, these are good," you know. Yeah. And I never found anybody to <clears throat> to play any in a black metal band with in Liverpool. It just there was nobody. Yeah, or, they, weren't, they, were, they weren't like you know around to yeah for, to, to know really. Um. So yeah, we just sort of like okay, well you've got these riffs, and I had shit loads of stuff, and I was already working on some demos of my my own, and um, yeah, we just decided to have a jam one day, and that was basically how Linkarsak was formed, purely like by chance. You know, just right place, <laughs> so almost by accident, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I had to go to playing in some shitty deathcore band for a couple of gigs just to meet Paul, and then you know, it's funny it how it works, isn't it? You pick these people up, but kind of along the way of your two musical journey, you know. What was that band called? Do you remember that deathcore band? Uh, uh, Hades Chariot, it was called <laughs> Hades Chariot. That's excellent. 
Like, I had nothing to do I with the tournament. Bad names, like. I know, this is it. Like I said, it was nothing to do with me whatsoever. I was just playing a couple <laughs> of games. That's, That's cool. So, you know, was it, it sounds like almost straight away when you were jamming with each other, was a bit of a connection. You know, I mean, Jay's a phenomenal drummer, as you know, we'll get into later. But, you know, it seems yeah. like there was something of a connection almost straight away. If anything, from the fact that you were both into black metal and you were both almost discovering black metal as well and kind of learning to write it and learning to kind of do that thing. Was that the case? Was it very much quite obvious that there was something special from the, from the get-go? Like, Yeah, because we, um, we're both coming from the same sort of like hymn sheet, really, where... You know, I think this must have been in around 2008, nine, something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, you know, if you think of black metal around that point, it was absolutely fucking dire. You know, all the, all the main bands had turned to shit and, you know, it come out of the fucking tail end of the whole like cyber black metal thing. And mm. I don't know, it was just in a pretty dire place, I thought. Like it, there was no no bands that, well, as, as far as I was aware, that were doing anything that was a bit more sort of mm. traditional and orthodox and, you know, what black metal was to me, like, when we first discovered it mm. 10 years earlier or whatever. I just felt like that whole scene had moved on and died. So yeah. when we decided to start writing music together, it was always to harken back to that, you know, original sort of template, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because, that, yeah, that was, that was our original fucking mandate, was just basically write black metal in the way that, we grew up listening to you it. Thought it um, you thought it should be played, like yeah, with all the the, the consistencies and things that uh, you got into. That makes sense, you know. That makes that makes complete sense. I mean, how how far we are we from from then from Ninkasar being? I'm I pronouncing that right as well. A lot of people have asked me. I've come up with many different pronunciations because of, it's like um, it's the Sumerian sort of fertility god goddess, isn't it? And um, so, am I pronouncing that right? Is that Ninkasar? Uh, well, we always Kar-Sag. say. Ninkarsag. Yeah, there you go. Mm. I didn't get it right yet. A couple of, you wouldn't believe some of the pronunciations that people have called. Oh, <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. Definitely not that. Like so how far are we away from, from that and kind of just destroyed by design and stuff like that? How far are we away then from that? Well, that was <clears throat> those um destroyed by design demo was some of like Paul's original um you know stuff he showed me. But we did re record that demo fresh like ourselves. Hmm. Um but yeah, but I mean, it was, we recorded those and um, just, you know, threw it out there to see what would happen. Like, and yeah, I mean, we were never really, it was just like, you know, a spur of the moment thing. It was never supposed to be sent to labels or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but then we had quite a lot of material and I, like I said, I had about three or four songs that I was working on, you know, before I even met them. Yeah. So for the album, then we decided to just, you know, write a couple, a couple more, pad it out and then you know, see what happened really. But yeah, it was a quite a long drawn out process between like the album, meeting them to the, to the demo, to the album. Um, and then actually getting it released. So even though the album came out in 2015, the blood of celestial Kings on candlelight, yeah, yeah. we recorded it in 2013, but the band was like officially started in 2009. Right. So it's, it, you know, six fucking years of like, treading water really it was weird was it kind of like was it case it was the was the membership changes in that part as well no no, it was just more of a kind of a finding out what you wanted to do sort of stage yeah yeah because it was a you know except we recorded the the demo with all the material Mm. that we had and started playing shows and stuff and you know to be fair we we had some decent gigs straight away like we supported Balsagoth and Liverpool I think would have been like our 
second or third show. Yeah. We played the uh, the Dev in London. I think that was our first ever gear, actually. So it was quite, you know, cool to do that. Uh, and then played Leeds Festival. Yeah, not Leeds Festival, but like a festival in Leeds. Yeah. In the cup, I think it was. And then from there, we supported like Dark Fortress, um, Shining, stuff like that. So, you know, we had a good run. Went to Phyllis, yeah. you know, and you're you're probably like you know watching these bands like Dark Fortress and stuff like that have been doing it a little bit longer. Are you watching this and going, oh okay, we'll take that? You know, this is how you uh, this is how you put a production on. This is how you kind of put things together. Are you constantly like learning as you as you're being with these bands as well. Yeah, but to be fair, we've always had like a sort of clear objective when it came to playing live. I mean, even from like say I think it was like the fourth or fifth show, we basically invested in like a lighting rig just a very basic one and smoke machine and stuff like that which we take with us yeah um so i don't know if you ever came to any of the early shows but it was just always blue with with smoke you could barely ever see us on fucking stage like <laughs> and, and it was never we didn't want to play like yeah. fucking lights overhead and stuff and yeah you know we were always set out to make that sort of atmosphere you know after like say the third or fourth show and we started doing that we've done yeah. it ever since really when we can yeah, um, and it's like it's 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 interesting, you know. We, we just go back to a sec when you say that your old boy was playing your Pink Floyd, and and no, no doubt you were seeing Pink Floyd when they first started. They had shitty lights, and it was only over time that they started to get great, better and better lights. And then all of a sudden, they're playing Earl's Court, and it looks like the fucking end of the world. You know, it, it has to start somewhere, but you have to have that idea that you want to push it and you want to put a, a production on. And I think that's that's one of the things that maybe black metal doesn't get the credit it deserves that, you know, from a live standpoint, the, the, the stuff that bands are doing is, is incredibly involved. You know, they almost the, the, the ambience and the visuals are just as important as the music presented as well. You know, it's, and I don't think black metal gets anywhere near the respect it, it deserves. Right. Kind of get thrown under the bus a little bit uh, in terms of production. But I think some of the, the most beautiful shows to visually I've seen have been black metal shows, you know, certainly indoors. I've been, I've been fantastic. So, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I would suggest I'll put like links up, obviously, all the way as I've been throughout the week to uh, Blood of the Cecil Kings. I think that's probably a good starting point. And, I, and it's interesting that Kyle talks about like you know, he had a fully formed idea because that album is super, super confident, mate. That's like a very, that's a band that understands exactly what they're doing. When you look back at that album now, um, you've got an awful lot of stuff right with that album and very little wrong. Like, does it feel that way when you listen back to it? Well, it's a bit of a mixed bag, really, because it was, um, you know, it was a long process between, like, say, getting it written and getting it recorded and actually getting it out. That <clears throat> by the time it came out, we sort of like felt that it was all old news, and um, right. you know, it was never really intended to be a full album anyway. It was always mm. supposed to just be an EP, really. It's only thirty minutes long, like nine um, songs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, about thirty, 30 yeah, minutes long. Yeah. You know, they like back into each other, but mm. yeah, it was always intended to be like an EP. Like you know, glorified yeah. demo essentially. Um, but then, like I said, we recorded it in 2013, and it was a very like rushed job. You know, we recorded it yeah. just in um, it was Vagrant Studios in Southport, yeah. Liverpool. Um, drums were done there, guitars, very basic setup. Like, and you know, it sounds fine for what it is. But um, for me personally, I always wanted something a bit bigger and I wanted to record it a bit better and the guitar sound a bit rushed, you know, just think simple things that which, you know, you, you always mm. go back and, you know, you critique. Um, but yeah, so between actually recording it in 2013 and then getting it out in 2015, we sent it to like labels all around the fucking world. And um, it was only because Colt's Blood from Liverpool 
just Simon Candlelight. Um, so they put in a word for us, and then Simon from Winterfell, he also put a word in with with the guys at Candlelight, and then yeah, they snapped the album up, well, mm. the EP up. But then I think somewhere along the line, it just started getting called an album, and that's it. Really, it, you know, came out as an album. Yeah. So I was never really like, I didn't really want to call it an album because, like I said, it was always yeah, a bit lacking. It was Dance just a bit song. of a rough yeah, yeah. So, but it is what it is now. I mean, you know, it's, it's how it's done, but. Um, if I could go back, yeah, I'd change pretty much, you know. <laughs> sure. Were you, uh, so at this point, are you touring then, you're touring the UK, do you, when's it moved to so your tour in Europe? Have you, uh, did you start too many shows in Europe? Was this kind of after? No, we didn't get any, with no, I didn't get any, you know, to Europe at all, sadly. Oh, right, mm. okay. No, okay, because, it, well, this is it, you see, it's, uh, it's where it starts getting a bit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like as um just situations that arose around the time and um yeah. but we got over to we did like a, a full I think it was like ten days or something we we told I think it was like five days we went to Phillip around the UK mm-hmm. and then we went over to we did another tour around Scotland Ireland and UK with and England with um Colts Blood the co-headlining one um so that was cool and that's when we the album came out on Candlelight just um just before that actually so it was um. We, you know, we were tr- we tried to hit the road as much as we could, and we'd been playing gigs yeah. up and down the country and in Scotland for years anyway before that. Mm. But um, yeah, when when the when we knew we were working on this this new album, we really wanted to take our time with it and make sure that we were completely satisfied with every aspect of it, rather than yeah. you know going through the same sort of like torturous process that we had with <laughs> Kings really. And yeah, um, yes, this is why it took so long to come out really. Yeah. But, some of the songs that off the new album now, Fred March of Solemn Gods, we actually started writing those before we'd even played a show together. So right. there's a song on the new album then. <laughs> yeah, Discipline, Discipline Through Black Sorcery. Mm. We actually played that song at our first ever gig in London. <laughs> and it's that's how old the song is. So, yeah. well, you know, in a slightly different format. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah, it was um, it was quite odd actually t- to have a song pretty much fully written. We left it off the first album, first the first EP, because we uh, we knew we had better material like in, in the pipeline rather than sticking it on this this release. Yeah. So this is why yeah. you know it, it was quite frustrating that the first release wasn't really how we wanted people to perceive us, and mm. we were sitting on this fucking hold of like good material which we've only just managed to get out now. So it's, yeah. it's taking a long fucking time, like. <laughs> So, yeah. as, as, a, as a sidebar like when did you so vocally when did you kind of start you know going into that and become and, and doing the vocals was it before or after the the, the instruments or what, what which kind of direction did that take uh well it was purely because I, I was already working on quite a lot of material mm. at home um before you know when Nikarsic started I had like a sort of um well it was quite similar to Nikarsic like a you know almost like symphonic sound in black metal band you know keyboards but very minimal not like you know fucking over the top yeah but you know big riffs big sort of like song structures and stuff like that and um obviously i was trying to do the vocals myself so i started recording some just in my friend's little studio in his in his house um and then i sent a few of the demo tracks that i had over to to jay to see if he'd be interested in drumming on them Mm. um then he passed them over to paul and Paul's like, fucking hell, if he can sing like this and play guitar, let's get him to... <laughs> He's doing both now. 
<laughs> yeah. they, they started like uh, jamming out some of the Ninkarthag demos. Yeah. And then I sent over this rough demo that I had where I was, wasn't obviously singing and playing guitar at the same time, but, you know, yeah. I could do the sort of like raspy voice at least. Yeah. And then, yeah, so that was when he said, oh, come over and we'll just have a jam of some of these songs. And who who, were, you, who were you listening to from a vocal point of view then? Same people, still Emperor and stuff like that. Who, From a vocal perspective, who were you trying to emulate? Was it still the stuff you were hearing? Yeah, or? yeah you know, the usual Emperor, Bathory. And I really like um, Grootel's vocals from Enslaved. Sort of like mm. more like Raspy Snarl. I quite like that. Yeah, there's a bit uh, more grit to it. Like a bit more, yeah, yeah. You know, the sort of, I, go, I, I like to have you know, quite an audible tone. I didn't really want it to be just like screeching, you know, yeah. to be fair, the lyrics, you know, can be quite important to me. So I really wanted to get them across in the way that people could understand. And yeah. I think, um, you know, from the reviews that I've read, I think people like the fact that they can understand what I'm talking about rather than, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's a, yeah, it's an easier aid to painting a picture, you know, thematically. It's it is easy if you can be the lyrics. I mean, there, there are times naturally when you can you, you use your voice almost like you know uh, as a as a as another sound to come, come over. But most of the time, mm. you know, especially if you're creating a, a, a theatre, I like to say an ambience. It's important to hear the lyrics, especially if you're telling something, you know, uh, like you say, you know. Uh, like sorcery and stuff like that. There's there's a, there's a theme to that. There's a there's a there's a, a beginning, middle, and end to that. Like you know, so you're doing both of these and you're touring around the UK. Um, that's got to be hard doing the vocal thing and playing as well. Did you find it hard initially, or did the two just marry up for you perfectly? Yeah, it came together quite well. I um, I just you know, obviously, the, when you when you get a new song written, you know, you're still like finding your way around the fretboard with it. It can be quite hard to get the, the vocals on point, but I sort of like, I, I've got, I sort of know exactly where to be on the guitar now after all these years of playing the same material over and over again. You yeah. know, it's, I try not to look at the guitar when I'm practicing at home. You know, mm. I just try and look forward. So that way it, it's given me a sort of like a sense of the depth of, you know, the the width of the, the guitar neck, stuff like that. And, um, and obviously because we're playing quite dark surroundings, I can't really rely on. <laughs> anyway, so. you, you haven't got your lights up fret guitar, so yeah, yeah. No, I haven't got any fucking lights on the back or any like you know uh, illuminated <laughs> bullshit like that. So I've got to purely go, you know, muscle memory and hoping that I'm in the right space. Yeah, but, that's, you know, a, that, that's just it. come from a good ear. That that's just a good ear. You've just been playing long enough to you know where you should be, and you know vocally you, you've got used to your throat develops those those memory muscles as does your fingers, and you just kind of learn to where you know where you should be. So then, I mean, we, we talk about the, the new album, um, The Dread March of Solemn Gods, and, you know, listening to it now, it's, it's quite a huge piece of work, Kyle. You know, it's, 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 it's massive. It really is. When, at what point did, did, did sort of Chris Fielding come in then? Because so, he produced, uh, ladies and gentlemen, anybody doesn't know uh, Chris Fielding from Conan, he, he produced that. At what point does he come into it? Does he come almost at the beginning? Did you know him? At what point does he kind of come into the album? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, he's got quite a track record of producing quite a lot of, you know, good UK bands. And um, yeah, we recorded a demo with him from an, for another band, Cult of the Head. We recorded that with him when, it, when he was set up in Skyhammer Studio with John from Conan. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that must have been in like 2000 and. 14, 15, something like that. Mm. Um, sort of like a melodic death metal band that we were working on. Um, 
but we knew he'd get like a really big clean production you know like you, know, you could hear everything we, we wanted sort of like quite a not a nice sounding demo but we wanted it to sound like fucking massive well recorded yeah, yeah, well recorded, recorded. yeah. so we recorded with him and you know he's so easy to work with so we thought okay well for the Nink album then we want to record it somewhere sort of like more secluded so we went to Fowl Studios in Wales mm. which is just in like the middle of fucking nowhere in some old farmhouse yeah. in a valley it's yeah. like no signal it's just like you know <laughs> the back of beyond near a town yeah. four miles away you know there's no pub nearby or anything like that so so yeah we spent a week there with him and yeah it's just you know I don't generally like being in the studio because I find it a bit mm. like stressful and you know it's not like a fun process but I, I enjoyed that just purely mm. because it was, you know, in the countryside, which which I love. So it was nice to just record it away from the city as well, which is cool. I think that's yeah, really just to get a bit of you know, a bit of perspective on things and a, a bit of kind of you know, zero in on it. What you want to do is the much you you talk about like the stuff that like you know that was written before, long before like the first gig and stuff, and before was that did you have everything fully formed going in to do this album then or was there some stuff you were like okay don't quite know where this is going to work and let's try this was there any of that or was it all fully formed here it is let's just record it well it was all fully formed yeah we um yeah we'd recorded all the all the drums in a um just in a small studio and we demoed everything in my little studio yeah all the guitars bass didn't do the vocals, but I knew what I was going to do for it. I had this all, it all written. So yeah, when we got to the studio, it was just a case of trying to get the best takes of each of each of each song. Then, yeah, um, you know, we tweaked a few things here or there, but yeah, it was. Um, we knew exactly what we were going in to record. There was no like fucking ifs or buts or um and or, and it was fucking slay. It's yeah, it's 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 the best way to to approach it. Even like you know, massive bands and every band in between. Doing a demo process really kind of tightens everything up. You know what I mean? If you do, do demos and just go, okay, let's just record the songs and get so we know what we're doing. It just gives you a really nice framework where you can go, okay, this is what we're doing. This is part we're doing next, and you can really like, like I say, double down and zero in on on performance. Then, uh, were you? Did you? Was a lot of stuff like laboured over, or was it one take type of stuff, or vocally? Did you, did you go through a number of different sorts of takes for it? Um, no, I generally trying to get most of it down one or two takes really mm. um i sort of knew exactly how i was going to approach everything tonally yeah you know sort of like um the the uh, structure of the sentences you know i knew exactly how i wanted to get it across because mm. i've been with the demo tracks for so long i basically spent like a year just listening to them on repeat like when I was in the car yeah um you know i do a lot of like fell walking so i spent a lot of times listening to the album like in the middle of nowhere which sort of helped to really bring out <laughs> the atmosphere Not listening, listening to nightclub walking on the fell you shit yourself you know it's like fucking hell <laughs> well, but that, well, this is that's this one is, of the things all about you see this is what it's yeah. all about like it's trying to invoke that atmosphere you know it, it's actually um but like i said the lyrics on this album are quite personal and mm. the, you know the first album was more based around specific themes or you know specific like subjects whereas this album the new album the lyrics they're clearly about something but they're not really you know like a, a story so much as it as it was on yeah. the first album yeah they're more for like the listener to sort of interpret and really sort of delve mm. into a bit more of you know what i mean and to interpret yeah. however they see fit and some people have said like it makes them feel like it's like 
sort of quite triumphant or, you know, it's like empowered. And that was always the intention for me, you know, because yeah, I wanted to write lyrics that would give, you know, the listener that sort of, um, to sort of like kick up the arse, if you know what I mean? Like one of a better term, because it's not, yeah. even though it's, you know, it's quite sort of, um, wouldn't say satanic as such, but just very sort of like powerful, sort of like forward thinking of like, you know, trying to be, yeah. sort of, you know, from in an undefeated manner and especially all the bullshit yeah. that we have to do to get the album out. I really wanted to write like lyrics that you put on and think, fuck, I need to like, you know, fucking conquer something here. Like, and, <laughs> yeah, that's why you know when I listen to it, like when I'm outside, and especially like when I'm on the fells or mountains, it's sort of like it. It gives you that sort of um, feeling of power and triumph, if you know what I mean. So that's the that's the weird thing that people um, that are maybe unfamiliar with the the, the genre don't realise that when they when we say black metal, they they see the corpse paints, they see you know, satanic sacrifice or whatever. They see everything being negative, everything being uh, being horrible, you know, suicidal thoughts, all this murder and things like that. They don't see that in actual fact, you know, that's that's only a very tiny drop of what, what is really going on. And it's more about in, you know, self-empowerment and, and you know, emboldenment and kind of, you know, helping you overcome, you know. And like you say, you wanted to feel like you were kicking someone up the arse. You know, you'd be like, look, you know, you know, this is a, it's powerful. It's powerful music in a positive way. And that's something that, you know, Black Metal gets a terrible, it's got, it's got the worst press agents in the world, hasn't it? It's, it's like, it's, it's, there's so much that people unfamiliar with the, the genre don't understand. And there'll be, there'll be people listening to this show and I would urge them to listen to the album as well. And like you say, you're probably walking alone in the middle of nowhere on a fell is a great place to start listening to this album. But it's like, I would listen to the album with, with open ears you know, really kind of take it in because it's it's incredibly powerful. Kind of like, like listening back to it, I was like, fucking, it's it's cinematically big as well. It's by that I mean, it sounds massive. It sounds you know from the from the get go, you know, you know even it's like under the night stuff. It, it sounds it it sounds huge, and and I think that that's probably you know something that you know people won't be ready for. I would dare say, take this however you would like, sir. Is that this feels very gateway. Uh, and kind of bridging them. So I would say that this might be someone's really good first choice if they wanted to get into black metal, because I think it establishes all the things that, that of the genre that exist. But I think it also does some some really nice things with it as well. Um, you know, I mean, what's the feedback you've been getting then? I mean, I've read some really nice reviews. Um, has it been? I, I imagine it's made some people's you know best ones of the year, or will do, I should say. Yeah, well, it, it's had, um, you know, quite a lot of positive reviews, a few negative as well, but, you know, you can't dwell on, you can't please everybody, can you? <laughs> Ironically, the things that people didn't like about it are the things that we set out to do in the first place, which was to just write right. traditional black metal. A lot of yeah. people are like, oh, you know, it's um, nothing new or it's, you know, it's derivative mm. or whatever. But the reality is there's a million bands doing, like, up-to-date fucking postmodern black metal, whatever you want to call it, like, so go and listen to them. You know, we've basically, <laughs> we've always said like what this fucking yeah. band is. If you like, you know, you're all black metal, then, you know, come with us. But if you don't, then see you later. Yeah. You know, there's a fucking, you've got yeah. no shortage of bands to pick from these days. You've got some atmospheric droney stuff. You've got some guys in fucking shorts and, and trainees playing black metal. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Yeah. Go and fucking that band. Yeah, down yeah, the road. yeah. 
you know what I mean? For us, it's like this to me is what it the, the scene and the genre should always sort of aspire to, you know. And if people don't like that, then fucking whatever. You can't please everybody, but yeah, the people who get it really get it, and that to me is mm. is the sign of like, you know, yeah. people that are actually listening rather than just judging off like you know half a song or whatever, you know. And yeah, funny enough, a lot of people who like it are sort of like old guard who you know right. grew up like in the 80s and 90s or were there for like the first time around or whatever. Mm. during the 90s who were you know living the scene then they're the ones that are really picked up on it you know yeah. they're the ones that fucking wore it and to me that's like you know the ultimate sign of what you're doing is 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 is, is positive you know yeah. so you know i don't you know it was, i don't really care what people think about it to me i think it's fucking great but it's like is there, I mean, it, it, there probably is in, in every sort of form of music but is there is there an almost an elitism in black metal it's like, you know, it's got to be this, it's got to be that, it's got to be whatever. And and people should really shut the fuck up and just listen to it. It's like, if you like it, then then jog on, it's sound. If you don't, then fuck off, there's plenty of other choice. And it's it's weird, like, for me, I mean, most of the songs on the album, I don't think they take much over five minutes, uh, you know, but it's still, we're still in the society now, we've, we've got everybody to a point where they'll only listen to an album or a song for, like, you know, 30 or 40 seconds. There's no way, you know, you're going to get fucking what you're trying to do on a song in like the first minute you know there's changes and stuff that you know it's it's you're doing a disservice you need to at least the songs need to be listened completely and that's totally the album does as well is that maybe one of the one of the things that maybe black metal and even progressive metal if you will has suffered from is that it's not it's something that has to be you know listened to and enjoyed if you know what i mean like you can't just go okay I'll, I'll, i'll play the first riff and that'll do for me i'll play that repeatedly it has to be you have to listen. You have to put a little bit of work in to get a lot out of that. You know, you have to listen and understand and try and get yourself in that, you know, that headspace. Is that maybe, I don't know how fair is that? Is that a fair thing to say or not? Yeah, well, it, it's not. Black metal isn't, isn't pop music. You know, we don't generally, yeah. you, you do get it, but it's not really like the norm to do have like an intro, like a fucking verse, a free chorus, <laughs> chorus, back into yeah, verse, yeah, yeah. middle eight and then fucking a, a, a chorus. You know, that doesn't generally exist in black metal. It's very rare that you get a full song like that yeah. in, this, in this genre. So you're dealing with a music that is, by its you know, very nature, is quite um, adversarial. You know, it's not designed for the average human to listen to. You know, it's so... <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah. You know, to the, lay, to the layman isn't really something that, mm. you know, we, we try and concern ourselves with. You know, it's the sort of music that, if you want to listen to black metal, you really want to fucking listen to it. It's not something you just stick yeah. on, like, while, you, while you're talking to your fucking granny, you know what I mean? Or, like, <laughs> while you're going yeah. to the fucking supermarket, who's putting fucking bears on when they're going to the supermarket? You know, it's... <laughs> for me, walk, it's walk like, around, Asda, yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's not about... It's It shouldn't be music for, like, daylight or, you know, for your fucking day to day. It should be, like, it. It's, to me, it's like a, almost like a holy fucking art form, you know? It's not something that should be just taken lightly. Yeah, you know, you know, there's there's plenty of genres you can just listen to while you're doing your day to day thing. You know, yeah. putting some metal on like in the middle of the day while you're fucking, you know, cleaning your car window or whatever. You know, it's just it to me, it's holy. So it shouldn't be something that's like for everybody anyway. So I yeah. don't really care if people like it or what they think about us. You know, yeah. it's if you get it, you get it. If you don't, then mm. you know that's just the way it is. But um, like I said, we we try not to concern ourselves with generally what people think you know for us it was a case of 
we want to write an album that we want to listen to. So, yeah. and the Dreadmaster to Solemn Gods is, is how it turned out. You know, it, mm. we could have, you know, it's not that we're not prolific writers. We've got so much material, but we just wanted to make sure that this album came out with a bang and, you yeah. know, we tried to push it as much as we could. And, you know, thankfully people have responded quite well to it. So, yeah, yeah. isn't that, that, that is really the, the sign of good art, isn't it? Is that if, the, you know, if everybody likes it, it's probably, you know, it's probably not going to be really that great. There's probably going to be derivative of some sense because it's got to please so many masters. But when it's like, you know, when it's kind of within its niche and within its genre, like you say, the people that will discover it who really love it, who really love it, like love it as a whole, like you did with that first Emperor album, you love it for the end of time now. And it's and it's your, and it's like you say, it's holy, it's, it's something sacred about it, like and you hold it dear because it's it's important. I'd, I'd rather have that as an artist. I would rather have that than a billion people like that because, it, you know, it seems like in order to get to those levels of success, you have to, have a derivative of what you're trying to do and it seems like and without putting words into your mouth Carl, it seems like that this album was completely made on your terms you know there's been it is this this is the album that you wanted to do you know it to the nth degree love it or hate it but it is it perfectly encapsulates what you wanted to do is that fair yeah absolutely yeah we've um this was the album we've been trying to you know get out since we started this band and mm. that's why when we said the first album you know, even though it's not technically an album, we were never satisfied with it because we knew we had better in us. We already had better material written before, yeah. you know, we recorded that first album. Like some of the tracks off the Dread March. So we had Discipline Through Black Sorcery. We had The Necromanthian. We had Lunar Hex written. So, you know, three, three songs like fully formed before we even recorded The Blood of Celestial Kings. So by the time that album came out, you know, it was already old hat. We were already like halfway through the next album. Anyway, we had like other songs yeah. on the go. But once we started writing Dread March, like, you know, once we, once we got Blood of Celestial Kings out of the way and we were working on Dread March, it came together so quick. We basically got a, our own practice room in Liverpool, set up camp in there, and it just sort of like flew together. Mm. So we recorded it in, when was it? So would have been 2019. Um, yeah, we spent a couple of years like just you know trying to tour and stuff and trying to get as many gigs in as we could. And um, but then it sort of like picked up speed towards 2019. So when we hit the studio, we were just fucking on fire with it. Like we knew exactly what we were doing. We were living with the songs. You know, there was no um, second guessing. We were writing material like new songs up until the fucking last day we went to the studio. We had that much material written. We had a choice of songs. I couldn't believe it. Like we actually like left a few songs off because we didn't want to yeah. like album out. Yeah. So we thought forty three minutes. Let's get it to that, and you know we'll put a pack <laughs> as well for the digi pack. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we were almost spoiled for choice in a way with with material, and you know we tried mm-hmm. to choose like what we felt was the best. So one of the things that you know that Carl's talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is is curating your music. And by that, I mean that, you know, you don't have to have an album or an EP of the first songs that you write. Just get them out and get them done. It's important to kind of add a little bit of perspective to them and and kind of go, does this work with what we're doing? And does this work now? And is this ready? And does this need more work? And that kind of curation means that when you do these albums and these demos, it's like like Carl's saying there, you have much more of a uh, vision, you know, and it's nice that that's the case. I mean, we'll talk about 
what's next and kind of the future. But we've got a, you've got this out now. It's like essentially a launch show, if you will, uh, at the Outpost on Friday the 28th. And, you know, it's sold out. And th- obviously the Outpost isn't at this massive venue, but that's still 80 fucking people. I don't know how you're going to get 80 people in the Outpost. I, I just fucking... I don't know how you're going to do that. Like, it's, what is the, is the cap 80? Because that's going to be fucking mental, that is. The capacity is actually 90. So, is we, you it? know, we is back it? a bit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, obviously, <laughs> I thought, okay, well, there's going to be band members and guest lists and whatever else. Like, so, so we only sold 80 tickets. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be sweaty in there. Yeah, it's but gonna it feels be fucking, like you know, well. if, you, if you're afraid of getting yeah, yeah, it's probably not the game for you, yeah. But it's mean, it, what's good about the Alpha? I'm talking about the Alpha. What's that? Oh, you good? Saying if you don't want COVID, don't turn. I think it's going to be a bit fucking <laughs> hot question. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's you know, the good thing is about that venue, and I've talked about the outpost all the time I love it it's a second home but the great thing is that you'll be able to control that environment as well yeah, because it's small it's, it feels like it's going to be a, a, a really contained sort of thing it feels as though it's going to be very special are you going to do is the album is it in full is it or are you going to do selections how are you going to how are you going to approach this then yeah we're playing the whole thing in full um, okay. and then obviously some of the older songs as well well, yeah, so it's funny actually because a lot of a lot of bands, you know, they never seem to play like a full album. But we, um, mm. you know, we because the first album material is so old. I don't know. Obviously, you still got to play some of it, but we're so burnt out on playing that stuff that you know if we had our way, we'd never play any of it ever again. But <laughs> sure. so we thought we'll get. You know, we just wanted to do play the album in full because I mean, even though it's been out since April. We were always planning on doing a full launch show, but it was just, we didn't really know when to do it. And then we had a tour with Anti-Inferno in the, in the summer. So we didn't want, you know, tie it into that. So we just didn't bother doing it last year. But so we've not really called it an album release show. It's we've been calling it the album Unleashed purely because <laughs> like it's had time to settle now. And it, it's, it's yeah. picked up a bit more, more sort of like tempo than when it first came out and, it's had yeah. time to sort of like do the rounds on the scene and it's picked up the scene and, you know, it's had a couple of releases on vinyl now as well. So it's given it time to sort of um, to gestate, if you will, and, you know, for let, let it mm. sink in. So I think now that we play it, it'll be a bit more special rather than if we played it when it was still fresh and nobody really knew what it was or had no listened to the yeah, songs that's that much. Yeah, you, you, people have had the chance to, to listen and get it under the fingernails a little bit and kind of, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, rather yeah, than if you yeah. just brought it out and it's been out a day or something, then, you know, this is an album yeah. that you have to sit with for a little bit in, in a good way uh, to kind of really yeah. process and unpack, you know. So that's, yeah, I think it's going to be re- pretty special, to be honest with you. I mean, what's kind of in the, the near future now, is there, is there any kind of thoughts to touring then? Um, anything at all? Well, yeah, we've, um, we've got a lot, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at the moment. I mean, hmm. we've been trying to get over to Europe since last year. Um, but we, you know, we're working with a German booking agent, uh, in mad, mad booking, and they're trying to organize, a European tour and working on it mm. since last year, but we keep having to postpone it and push it forward. It's not been officially announced or anything. 
So, yeah. you know, but it, yeah, it was supposed to be March this year. But again, everything's still a bit like, you know, up the wall, really. It, you know, the Omicron thing's spreading pretty bad in, in Europe now, isn't it? So I know, like, yeah. Enslaved just cancelled their tour. And yeah, it's, it's still a bit too soon, sadly. We were hoping by, by May it'd be, you know, it'd be all go. But I think it's still a bit fucking touch and go, isn't it? So, so we're shelving that again, sadly. Um, and there's, there's a few other, like, festivals that we're, we're trying to get on and, you know, we've, you know, been asked to play. But again, everything's still up, up, up in the air, really, in there in Europe. Um, so in the meantime, then, we're going to just try and do, like, a full UK tour in August. So right. we're in the process of booking that now. Um, probably for the end of August, first week of September, which seems, like, so far away. But sadly, this is just how far we need to be planning yeah, now. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're jumping in a van and just fucking bobbing off to Europe or, you know, <laughs> going on the UK. But now everything needs to be, like, everything needs to be booked so far in advance. That's like, it's all, it's extremely frustrating because it's almost like another year away. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Fucking January now, but, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, going on tour in August, it's like a year away. It's like six fucking months, seven months. Crack, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, but it is what it is. It, you know, we're, we're trying to do everything we can, but in the mm. meantime, we just, so shows like this one in the pool and we've got a big thing in the pipeline as well, playing London in March, you know, just, at this point, anything is, is better than nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, um, it, yeah. it seems it seems ridiculous a question to ask almost because we're talking about the new album, but where are we then with the, the rest of the material? Like, Because this has been there and and you're clearly writing and settingly creative. Is there a thought of like, you know, is the thought of a next album, which seems insane to ask you, Carl, but, you know, because of what we talked about, it seems legitimate. Well, it's probably closer than you think. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> we've got so I mean we ideally we're, we're planning on a sort of doing an EP or like a yeah. sort of mini album hopefully try and record it this year mm. um, so some of that will be material that we have for, for Dread March and some brand new material which you know we've also been working on yeah um, but that's going to be its own sort of like little beast rather than you know the next album the next album again we've got songs on the go for that say we've got about at least like 20 30 minutes written um and yeah it's um it's a bit it's even more focused because like i said a lot of the songs on dread march were being written on time ago some of the riffs like discipline through black sorcery i had i had the the intro riff in different form written back in like fucking 2008 nine something like that so you know yeah. it, it's like a lot of the material that even for, for march was just material we had knocking around so it's actually nice now to focus on writing an album that is purely for this album if you know what i mean the material yeah, that yeah, it's, for the caught album up, is, it's caught up with you almost to now where you've kind of got rid of the, the back catalog or the backlog if you will and now you can start like you say yeah, writing yeah. almost eight fresh for this new this new thing yeah so that's it so that's why even the material that we had left off the last album yeah. after March we didn't even want to put them in the new album we wanted to write all the material for the next album like completely fresh you yeah. know in like more of like a similar vein. so yeah I mean we're pretty excited about it because it's um, I'd say it's it's even like I said it's more focused for a start because we know exactly what we want to do 
you know, mm. we know exactly what we're trying to write the album. It will come together in a way that it will seem sort of more like completive, you know, if you will. Yeah. You know, because there's aspects of Dreadmarch, which I think, um, you know, we could have done this differently, could have mapped better, you know, and yeah, you, you know, you're always going to nitpick, but with this new material, it'll give us like a full, full clean slate to just write exactly what we want to hear with no sort of like, um, yeah. you know, predetermined ideas from old songs or, you know, bits of yeah. sections of songs, you yeah. know, hold on to, but never rewritten. Like that. Mm. So, so yeah, we are quite excited to get this new one done. Like I said, in the meantime, then we're going to try and record an EP, try and get that done this year. But mm. the only problem is like, it used to be all the case of like, you write something and you get it out within like three, four months. But now with the delays on the fucking final yeah, and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. chances are it won't come out until next year which is frustrating yeah. you know you don't really want to go off half cocked with doing a uh, you know a CD then vinyl release you know you want to try and get yeah. it all out in the first fucking especially instance, the way you guys you know, do with the, CDs with the vinyl with all the different coloured vinyls and what have you like you put an awful lot of work into the, the visuals of the, of, of the album and stuff you know like you say you, you've got to do that right and it takes time unfortunately especially now it takes even even longer um, it's interesting that you say as well, like that, you know, in many ways then this album, you know, Dread March is kind of like, is almost uh, an ending, if you will, before you kind of go, okay, you know, this is, this is the sum total of the stuff we've wrote over, you know, maybe 10 odd years. And now we're getting, you know, we're getting to the point once this is, this is, this is out. We now move to another, a whole other thing now with the new stuff that comes out, the EP, the, the next album. And, and then therefore that's interesting. Um, I mean, most people, you'll hear that when you listen to the album, you'll hear all the bits from recorded from various points, but anybody else will just hear this album and think, you know, uh, it's superb, because it is, Carla, you need, I mean, I'm sure people have told you, but I'm going to tell you, you know, why it's why we're live recording now. It's superb, mate. Uh, it is absolutely superb. I know a few people who are listening to it now who had no interest in the, the, the genre or black metal in any way, and it's become their gateway album, which I think is incredibly which is, you know, really lends itself to what you were trying to do because create something classic that follows the tropes and things, the good tropes and things are, are of black metal. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the show. I can tell you are just the way the way we talk about it. You know, it's I think it's going to be really special. And as much as an end, I think it's going to be a nice beginning for people to finally see some of these songs played live as well, which will be which is going to be fantastic. Um, listen, we can. I'll wrap this up now. We could talk. We're definitely uh, the next EP and the album. We'll talk. We'll get you on again, and we'll talk some more about that. Um, but we could deep dive into all kinds of stuff that we, we maybe should have done. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what a, what a treat it's been to see to speak before the sold out show on Friday with the twenty eighth at the opera. I don't know why the fuck I'm advertising it. It's sold out. I'm advertising it because it's such a fucking result that you sold out. It's fantastic, and it's and it's a, and it's going to be a special event. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Carl Nesbitt, thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Hi, more than welcome, sir. More than welcome. That was Kyle Nesbitt there from Linkarsag. And I think, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope, it, you know, if, you've, if you're going to the show, that it gives you a little bit extra, you know, you should be looking forward to the show anyway, but hopefully you're looking forward to it even more after hearing that and realising some of the, maybe some of the backstory to the songs and the album and its creation. And sometimes knowing that can make the, the gig even more enjoyable. Um, naturally, I'll be, at the show, and I'll do a write-up of the show. I expect it to be nothing short than stellar, than, than really, really uh, an amazing and important show. It's hugely looking forward to it. I've never really seen seen a few things but with Black Metal Live, but I think this, in, in a sort of smaller venue, I think will be pretty special. 
once again, you know, I hope you enjoy the show and I hope you get something from it. it. Makes you laugh, makes you think. Maybe check out an artist you wouldn't have normally checked out before or listen to a, a style of music within, within metal that you maybe hadn't thought you'd passed on. You'd gone, okay, it's not really for me. Because even within each of the genres, there's still a massive spectrum of stuff going on there. And it really just takes one or two bands for you to open it up like it did for me. And it becomes this whole new, another realm of listening. So I hope that that happens here. Um, but I hope you enjoy it. I hope it entertains you. And as always, if there are things you want me to do on the show and people you want me to talk to, and if you're a band, a lot of bands approach me now to appear on the show, which is brilliant. A lot of bands from all over the place as well, all kinds of different countries and stuff, which is fantastic. And I'm compiling a list now of that and slowly putting those uh, th- those bands together and put them onto, onto the show. So feel free, yeah, to contact me and we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll a conversation and chat about metal what a great thing to be able to do so as always and more importantly this friday i will see you at the show